All right, we are about to begin the longest Miami Sports Podcast in our history. Seven and a half hours we're going to go to match the Dolphins game on Sunday against the Titans. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> well, man, so Duke Lane, Clay Ferrero, like you, we all watched that game. And like you, we all wondered what the heck is going on. And we'd never seen anything like that. But the bottom line is the Dolphins won. But let's just talk about the bizarre nature of this game. I mean, guys, there were four hours in delays. It was at times it before the fourth quarter kicked in. It was almost it, it was as deadly to watch as possible with few big plays, not much excitement, and yet that fourth quarter talk about a lightning strike. Dolphins all of a sudden come to life and, and they end up winning a thriller. You know when when something important in history happens, you talk about you want to tell your kids about it, and and I was looking forward to the day that I would tell my kids about it. So I actually got on Facetime and I started telling my kids about this, and and they fell asleep. It's a good, it's a good bedtime story. Sorry. I'd like to put this one to bed, Dookie, because I, I'm glad the Dolphins are one to know. I we're going to talk more about what we learned and didn't learn, and maybe stuff we already knew. But in the NFL, you don't. You've heard me. How many times you've heard me say you don't apologize for a win? It's actually one of my favorite things that you say. You don't believe it or not. You don't, apo- you don't apologize won. for a win. You know, we always pull back the curtain. That game was a television producer's nightmare because you just never knew when it was going to end. You never knew when it was going to start, and then. Will, you don't go to every game, but we made a decision this week. This is a big Dolphins game. We're going to send you out for the opener. I saw you on the field this morning as I was cooking breakfast at 11 o'clock. I was watching you do a Facebook Live. I'm like, this is beautiful. Will's there early. Everything's great. And the game just never and, ended. And then about nine, ten hours later, I was doing another Facebook Live. And then what made it even funnier is so the coverage of the game, they go away from the lightning strike, and they go immediately to the Giants game, which for me is good news because I'm a Giants fan, so at least if it's going to be a break, I get to watch the Giants. Lose, by the way, which stunk. Well, let's whatever. not talk about that. But – uh but it was just funny because you never knew if they were going to cut away. So it was a close game. The Giants were right in it, and I wanted to be into it. But I'm thinking about our shows. What are we going to do with our shows? We can't show highlights unless the game's over. What are we going to do? All these things about producing the shows. And I'm afraid they're going to dump out of the Giants at any second. You know what? They did. At the end of the game, the Giants right were before right, they right fumbled before, away the game. Right, but well, yes, I I'll did not see them the fumble game. away the game. But I'm like, what? You know, I'm watching the Giants game. All of a sudden, they're like, and we're back at hard, no warning. We're back at Hard Rock Stadium, and it's funny because we were listening to all the players talk, and Ryan Tannehill described his experience of the game, and he said he was talking about how how it was kind of truncated, right? Because the first delay, they're like, okay, it's going, we're going to come back. I think the first delay started like two thirteen. So like, okay, we're going to be back at like three twenty. And then, oh, sorry, it's going to be 3.40. And then it's going to be 4 o'clock. For us, we have to get ready to sit in our chairs and pick up our pens and, and you know, start a record and, and eat nachos. For them, they have to play a football game. Yeah, so was- so the hydration, the nutrition, the rest, I mean. The stretching. Th- there's the, a, the, yeah. There, getting there's, in the feel of it. Yeah. There's like a certain lather that you have to work yourself up into to play in an NFL game, a certain crazed state almost. So to have to like start, this isn't like a pitcher who gets up in baseball and then, okay, they sit down and then they got to warm up again. This is to play an NFL game. And just, I'm just thinking here, you look at some of the injuries that happened and some of the, you know, some of the sloppy play. I mean, how many other NFL players are asked? This is not something they practice in training camp. They that try to go through bizarre. every scenario. They're not allowed to have a seven-hour practice. The the CBA that would be a huge CBA violation. There is no, literally, no way to prepare for what happened today. You know, None. of all the conversations I've had with people during the game, since the game, the one thing I haven't had answered, and maybe you guys heard it during the telecast or, or heard it from someone else, 
when did this start with the NFL? Before we get into the X's and O's of the game, I we've been covering Dolphin football a long time, and anybody who's lived in South Florida, the Dolphins have been around for 50 years. I mean, I don't remember. It, it, there's always storms and lightning around, and I'm not minimizing the risk of lightning because I think safety is the most important thing for the fans and players. But when did it become to the point that now you have these kind of four-hour delays? Because you were thinking this. 50-year history of the Dolphins or whatever, you're, you're not, you would have plenty of moments like this given all the bad weather that there's been throughout the years. That's interesting. Yeah, I, I don't have an answer to that. And, and you know, I, I know that they have increased the the technology. They've yes. improved the technology of to such a low yeah. – Right, where, where they can detect it from, from so far away. And I think that's, that's largely where this has gone. It's a combination of increased awareness, safety, and all of that, but also increased performance in technology. So now we actually know that that lightning is closer than we maybe used to think. You, you don't just sit there and go, lightning, 1-1,000. Two one thousand, three one thousand, three miles. Away. We've officially turned into the Brian Norcross podcast, yeah, which is cool. If we could do this week in South Florida next, I have, I have, I have, I have a tangentially related follow up, which is among my favorite type of follow ups. Um, there's a big game coming here in about a year or so. This is a problem. Yeah, but it doesn't. You don't have lightning during yeah, that time of the usually, year traditionally. Usually, anyway. traditionally seven eight. Traditionally, at night, you sure, but. Uh, I mean, it, listen, if Stephen sure. Ross paid a bajillion dollars to make that stadium, finish the roof. Just finish the roof. No, but How much would it cost you to finish the roof? Probably like another $250 million. But for him, that's pocket change. But but that's the I, whole I point of today. this. He didn't have it in his pocket. <laughs> that That's the whole point of, of why they built the stadium like they did, though. They want the players to be in the elements and the fans to largely be shielded from it. Right. And I kind of like that. I, I do like what they do. I, I don't think you can make a, a, a huge sweeping decision based on that. Just because in January, as a matter of fact, I remember being down here, uh, the first Super Bowl I ever covered was Colts Bears and that was the first time it had ever rained in a Super Bowl and that was because time of year and and where you hold these Super Bowls largely it's either Florida or it's West Coast and you don't have those thunderstorms that time type of year um real quick I don't take anything schematically out of this game I take nothing out of this what I found most interesting about this game and we're talking about the lightning and we're talking about all this and you guys were talking about the delay and what the players had to go through what did we hear about in the offseason more than anything else? It was we needed a culture change around the Dolphins. That was what we heard over and over and over again. And part of that culture change is you get guys in who respond well when adversity hits. And we're sitting here joking and laughing around. And this isn't the type of adversity that they faced last year with Irma. It's not on that level where you have to travel across mm-hmm. the country. But this is something that no one could have predicted. It is the very definition of adversity in that it is changing everything that you know to be your daily routine when it comes my to a day. game. And, <laughs> yeah. and these guys, I give them a ton of credit because everything that we heard all offseason was we got to get better with this, and they did. And, a great and point. Maybe it was because Mariota got hurt. Maybe you, it was because yeah, – yeah, maybe she, all that. But schematically, I take nothing, I, but I, maybe this is even more important than that. Here's the thing, though, I, and I give credit where credit is due, and I do, I do think the Dolphins, they, they – I thought they, they – were tough, mentally tough. I thought they handled the adversity and, and the delays well. But let's let's also flip it. I mean, if the Dolphins had lost two linemen, Ryan Tannehill went down midway through the game, uh, and they had a touchdown call back by a holding, and then Kenny Stills got hurt, and you know their best receiving threat got hurt. All happened in this game, the Dolphins probably would have lost. And what I just said, 
essentially happened to the Titans. Now, this isn't an excuse because in the NFL, again, you don't make excuse for a win, but there are moments in the game and, and within a season, and we saw this a couple years ago. When the Dolphins made the playoffs a couple years ago, everything broke their way. Uh, they they ended up they were winning all these close games where the quarterback for the opposing team would get hurt or one little tip pass would end up here. Those things happen in the course of a game in a season, and they happened on Sunday for the Dolphins. Now, that's not a formula you want to live and die with because we know that it could go in reverse the rest of the way and everything goes against the Dolphins the rest of the season. But for one day, for one game, the Dolphins took advantage of the circumstances. The Titans struggled. The Titans had injuries. The Titans had bad play calls or bad penalties or whatever it may be, and Dolphins took advantage of one. From a system standpoint, though, what I take away from it, let's start with Ryan Tannehill. I thought Tannehill was himself. I thought he made a couple poor decisions. The throw to Gasicki was not a good one in, in the goal line. I thought the one bomb, I'm not sure what he was looking at throwing deep, ended up being like a punt, but it wasn't a good decision. It felt like a heat check, didn't it, yeah. at that point? You know, in basketball, when you hit a bunch of threes and you're like, oh, let me just throw one up. It kind of felt I, like, I, just, I, I, I thought it was more third and long. Yeah. Hey, we're going to throw that up there. And, kind and of a punt also. Right. Picked, the risk there, though, is if it gets picked and it gets returned back a long way. But still, it, it didn't really hurt the Dolphins at that point. And then the one play that he missed on a fourth down that I thought it was great that Adam Gase went forward, had confidence. Ten Hill turns. He's got Drake there for an easy first down waits a split second to kind of regroup his throw and then by then Drake was kind of fading out of bounds and he and he and he doesn't catch the ball in bounds those are minimal things that I think come with Tannehill but I thought you saw enough confidence in his offense for the dink and dunk to take what's given the five six yard play and the biggest play guys is that the one moment where they had to take a chance and they finally did take a chance deep, he threw a perfect pass to Kenny Stills to give them a two-touchdown lead. So we saw Ryan Tannehill, and you said he looked like Ryan Tannehill. So let's talk about what Ryan Tannehill is. He is uh, average, maybe above average starting quarterback, and I thought it's really good to to see him out there doing what we've seen him do all this time, but... In this dink and dunk offense, which they do run most of the time, it is important to have that timing on point every time. And for the most part, he did that. And he did it well enough to be able to move the ball. That 98-yard drive was a thing of beauty. It's one of the best drives that you're going to see. Everything was on point. Everything was on time. It was great. But, yeah, I mean, that throw to Gasicki down on the goal line, you play a better team that has its starting quarterback, that gets you beat. And Gasicki, you see him start to go to the outside and go back. He had to cut back inside. He That's not where you throw that ball. And he no. fell down. Well, just just one funny, one funny thing about that throw. All offseason, it's been like the secret weapon. Oh, we're 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 gonna we're gonna do things with Gasicki that you're not seeing. We're not showing it to you in the preseason. We're not showing it to you in training camp. Wait until you see Gasicki in the red zone, which may be true. He may be fantastic that was in just the red a zone. Bad pass. Just I know, of course, throw. but it was just yeah, it was just, just funny to me. All this hullabaloo about Gasicki in the red zone, and the first time they get to the red zone, they throw it up to Gasicki. Horrendous throw. He yeah, gets intercepted. But, but you it was saw just why they're excited yeah. because the matchup was definitely in the Dolphins' favor. Sure. And if Tannehill throws it up into the outside a little, Gasicki's got a chance to go up and get it. By the way, you can go up and get a beautiful car if you'd like to. If you want to spend your hard-earned money on a car, go to a place with a reputation. I promise you there's no business in the state of Florida with a better reputation than Vera Motors. Vera Cadillac Buick GMC Pembroke Pines. The Vera family has been serving South Florida for 60 years. For the best deal in South Florida, the best service, Vera Cadillac Buick GMC. Vera Cadillac Buick GMC, 300 South University Drive, three miles north of the stadium, Pembroke Pines. I will say, though, look, we're going to go back and forth, I think, from good to bad. Tannehill was solid. Uh, he was Tannehill. I thought the bad, and this is the stuff that gets masked when you win it. When you win a game, is 
I was surprised they didn't get more pressure on the quarterback. They had no sacks mm-hmm. in the game. I'm not surprised, and this is a concern going in, and it still is a concern after one win, is at the middle of the defense, that defensive line in the front of it, the tackles, and those linebackers can really get worked. And we saw the Titans not able to take full advantage of it. I don't know why they went away from Derrick Henry in the second half a lot because he had the one long run and kind of a questionable hold that was Mm -hmm. a touchdown that came back. He didn't really get the ball a lot in that second half, but we saw them pound through those holes. We saw Delaney Walker before he got hurt make some nice plays over the middle. Their other tight end as well. The Dolphins have some issues there in that area. There's no doubt about it. Uh, So it's not perfect. It's not perfect. What else did you see that you thought to yourself, this is going to be a little bit of a headache? Oh, I, I see. I thought you were going to go the other way. I actually had a positive thought. In well, mind. I want to go back and forth because I think it's fair. It's easy after a win to say, like, hey, the Dolphins are going to the playoffs. Everything's well, great. I don't think okay, everything's all great. Okay, all right. Let me go negative, and then, and then if I may, a quick negative, and then if I may go positive, which is surprising. The negative is penalties still. I still saw penalties. I still saw costly penalties. I saw pre-snap penalties. Early in the game, I, I sent Clay a text because Clay and I always, always joke, you know, he does a piece for Sports Sunday that it's, you know, oh, here comes another penalties piece. And the Dolphins had, you know, during that, I think it might have even been during the 98-yard drive, boom, there's a big 10-yard hold and it sets him back. This is not a team that can have a margin for error. This is not a team that can make mistakes. Mm-hmm. And to, to Tannehill, okay, I think the thing that you guys didn't mention about Tannehill and about that drive is Adam Gase. That was the best offensive drive that I might have seen Adam Gase call in his time in Miami. I was like, oh, so this is what Adam Gase is all about. This is this is the creative, dynamic, outside-the-box play calling with quick passes, spreading the ball out. I mean, that's what we heard all offseason. There's no Jarvis Landry, but there's going to be different guys. So Wilson gets the ball, and then Grant gets the ball, and then Stills gets the ball, and then Gesicki gets the ball, and then Drake gets the ball, and then Frank Gore comes in for seven yards, and boom, 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 boom. And the play calling... There was a rhythm. Quick, quick. If you get penalties, if you have a false start, if you're first and 15 or if you're second and 12, you you mess up that whole rhythm. So there, the margin for error is something I'm concerned about. And and the other thing, Will, and, and you mentioned it, and it's something I think about. I mean, yeah, Tennessee had about as bad a set of circumstances. So they come down to Miami. They play an hour and 15 minutes in, in the heat, which – is an advantage for the Miami Dolphins. I remember when Ross first came here, he wanted to make all the games 4 o'clock to be friendlier to the fans, not realizing that forever, one of the Dolphins' advantages in September, they used to have a fantastic home record in September, was because teams were not prepared for the South Florida Heat. So they have that advantage. They're dealing with that. Then they have the two layoffs. Like you said, they lose their starting left tackle on what I thought was a cheap shot. They lose their starting quarterback. They lose their starting tight end. So all all of this going on, it's it's a lot of... For all the adversity the Dolphins dealt with, it was like 50 times more for Tennessee. So if you're a Dolphin, you kind of worry, like, how many more get-out-of-jail-free cards are we going to get throughout the year? Well, yeah, they, four... The Jets and the Bills in the AFC. <laughs> I, I don't. I don't see. I don't know about that. I don't. Oh, did you see the Bills play on Sunday? The Bills. The Bills the yeah, Bills are, bad. Bills are bad. And we're gonna get. A, you know, we're gonna get a look at the Jets right away. The Dolphins play the next Saturday. But I, I don't care if the Jets are better than expected. They still have a rookie quarterback, and they still have a lot of holes. The, the Dolphins are positioned. This is why, if they steal games like this against teams they're not supposed to be, the Tennessee team that I think most people felt would mm-hmm. beat them on Sunday, 
and then you could take care of those teams within your division, those bad teams, the Dolphins could put themselves in a position where at the end of the season they're at that 7-8-9 win mark and flirting with the potential to stay in a wild-card race. Why not? I mean, the AFC's wide open. After those top five, four or five teams, you have a bunch of teams. Well, and that's where you and I both have them. Is, yeah. is, is, in, in, is that bunch, in that bunch. Yeah, and, and to go back to your question about what's the negative, and uh, Dukey hit on it, the penalties. It, you're not good enough to do that over and, and over again and win well. games. The yeah, the turnovers and the little stuff is going to get you beat when you go up against a team that, uh, look, frankly, the Titans today, if Mariota had stayed out there and, and things were different, the Titans the Titans are good enough to make you pay for that, especially if they keep feeding the rock to Derrick Henry. There were certain things there. And going back to what you said specifically, Will, about the middle of that defense, I still, and, and this is without the benefit of going back quite yet and looking at, at the All-22 and seeing what happened, my feeling is that you still have linebackers going up and, and filling the wrong spot, what, what they call uh, bad fits. What basically going Paul, and filling. Carl McMillan didn't even, I mean, he was out of the game for a majority of the second half. I, I'm worried there, if you got to chase, chase Allen and you've got the youngster Baker, who, who I don't think was bad on Sunday, but he certainly wasn't good, and Kiko, who had a nice pick, but... Kiko gets caught in a lot of bad spots. That is a real concern at linebacker. Again, they get masked by a win, but the linebackers did not play well. Well, on and you, it got masked by a win this Sunday. You know what it got masked by for the last, what, three, four years? Rashad Jones. In Dominican Sioux. Uh-huh. Well, Dominican Sioux in the middle. <laughs> and, and, and that's the deal. And, and yeah, it, Rashad Jones, man, and we oh, talked I, about I got it wrong, but I was going to talk. <laughs> but we, talk, we talked about that on Sports Sunday, but it, it's so nice to have someone that is so good that can erase problems yeah. and and he did that a couple of times on Sunday which was nice to see but again yeah you, you got to look at this and say these are the things that are going to be get you beat down the line and I wouldn't be as concerned about those things if it weren't a problem both in the preseason and then also as far as penalties go, going back, I, I mean, I, the whole time Adam Gase has been here, this is something they just can't seem to figure out. I will say this as we go back to the good. Uh, I thought the offensive line was good. I thought they opened up some holes. Uh, Frank Gore looked like he's 25 years old when he would find that <laughs> hole to shoot through it, a nice little cutback. Kenyon Drake. Were fans screaming I, you every time he ran? It was kind of hard to tell yeah, on television. Are, are we sure that wasn't Frank Gore Jr.? I, amazing, isn't it? How quick he looked in his yeah. cuts. I, I thought what was a little Guy's puzzling. A Kenyon Drake only had, I think, two or three carries in the second half. That was surprising. I thought that going away from it, I know Gase was trying to work uh, Tannehill to get comfortable, and he took some shots, and one of the shots ended up working to their credit. But I think you got to feed Drake more in, in a close game like that. But then again, Gore was productive. I thought they got some good holes. Tannehill got sacked one time. Uh, I thought the offensive line, were they great? No. There was a couple holes that we mentioned earlier. You mentioned there was a couple of bad holes, a couple of full starts. But I don't think they were bad. And that's encouraging because I think if that's just a decent unit, it'll really help this offense a lot. I thought the secondary on the second level with Rashad, who we just mentioned, and Minka Fitzpatrick, yep. who, who probably turned the game when the Titans had a chance to go up 10 nothing, uh, go forward on a fourth down, down on the three, probably should have taken the points, but still, Minka makes a great play near the goal line. That 98-yard drive you talked about all of a sudden flips around. It changed the entire game. So you look at Minka, and by the way, the Dolphins' leading tackler on the game uh, was McDonald. So I, I, I think you saw signs in the secondary that those guys can be active and make plays. That'll mask a little bit, a little bit, the lack of plays made by linebackers. Minka Fitzpatrick made such a huge difference in this team. And, and where I think he's going to mask that, to your point, he's going to mask it in the passing game. And and it's not that he can't come up and, and make stops, but 
he is showing an elite ability to play in the slot right there. And by the way, that's really important considering they had to move McCain outside because they couldn't find a second cornerback to play outside. McCain was going to be a slot guy. They paid him a lot of money to do that. But now you're going to see them rely more and more on Minka to play that slot position Played it great on Sunday, and and not just not just the coverage, which I think is going to be his strength. But man, that play on fourth down, we can't talk about that enough. But I, those are the positives. And and what I find interesting is a lot of the positives that I saw in the preseason were a lot of the positives that we saw on Sunday, which uh, preseason not supposed to mean anything. But there we go. That fourth down play was a rookie mistake by Vrabel. Okay, a first time coach. Ah, we're close. We're going to go for it. But what I thought was so interesting about that play is he's like, all right, I'm going after the rookie. Like, he thought he had an idea. Mm. Like, he went in there like, ah, you know what? They got a rookie at safety. We're going to pick on him. No, 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 no. That is not your average rookie. Yeah. And for him to make the play like that, where the other team is essentially calling him out. Mm. I mean, that, that was that was essentially like, we're coming at, we're going for it on fourth down. We're giving up points because we can beat you. To stand your ground and make that play in that situation to shift momentum for the whole game, and then your team goes 98 yards before the three monsoons. I I was so impressed with his maturity is is just off the charts. His playmaking, his he I mean it's just one game, but but you know uh, there were people who were critical of the position need. But they definitely picked a good player. You talk about his maturity. He was in the locker room and how he's calm and cool. I asked him in the locker room, he was asked after the game, what did you try to do during those breaks? So well, I tried to take a nap, but that didn't work. You're you're a rookie starting your first NFL game, and during this break you're, you're thinking – you know, I'm just gonna, gonna gonna snap some Z's. Why not? I that's mean, just how co- he just is. The moment is not too big for him. And it's I great tried to, to nap in the press box, but that didn't work either because everybody was checking their fantasy scores. <laughs> oh man, I can't believe. Oh, oh no, no, you gotta no. give it to Dion. It was, it, was, it, was like, it was like a talk show convention uh, up there, wasn't it? Was, it? it was an interesting. Everybody doing their own talk show. Hours, seven and a half hours in that press. Sounds box. like my nightmare. When you spend your hard-earned money on a car, go to a place with a reputation. I promise you, there's no business in the state of Florida with a better reputation than Vera Motors. Vera Cadillac. Like Buick GMC Pembroke Pines, the Vera family has been serving South Florida for 60 years. For the best deal in South Florida, the best service, Vera Cadillac Buick GMC. Vera Cadillac Buick GMC, 300 South University Drive, three miles north of the stadium, Pembroke Pines. All right, so we look ahead to the Jets. Uh, that is where the Dolphins go to next. you got to feel pretty good if you're a Dolphin fan that you got the win against a good team, quality opponent. Then now you go to the Jets against a rookie quarterback at a team that's not expected to be that good. Uh, guys, what did we learn? Did you feel any more confident about this team? Or is this just one of those things where, hey, a win's a win, that's nice, but it, it wouldn't shock you if the, you, the, they go to New York and lose to the Jets? I'm slightly more confident, but no, I wouldn't be shocked if they went to New York and, and lost to the Jets. I, I think I liked that, that the team did show some resolve, and, and Dukey's right. They certainly faced less adverse circumstances than the Titans did, mm-hmm. but Still, a team that had trouble dealing with those sorts of circumstances last year did seem to respond well. I liked that I saw that, and I was encouraged. You mentioned the offensive line, that they looked okay. Okay is better than I thought they oh, would yeah, look. Oh, yeah, 100%. So I, I, I'm more encouraged by what I saw on, on Sunday. Still not ready to start booking those playoff tickets. But, uh, yeah, I, I thought I thought they looked pretty good. Well, it's funny you mentioned those playoff tickets. Every year we get our, our season credentials for all the games, and there's always that – playoff home game one and I, every year I get my packet and I look at it and I go I don't know if I'm going to be using that this year um 
Adam Gase was the story to me just because I, and I, I don't think I'm alone here, have sort of looked at him this off season like, what are you doing? Like, honestly, like, like what, what is your plan? Like, okay, so Ryan Tannehill is coming back off of knee surgery. The backup quarterback is Brock Osweiler or David Fales, both of whom, if they're in a game, you have a problem. You get rid of 112 catches in Jarvis Landry. You get rid of Indomitian Sue, who's like one of the more irreplaceable forces in the middle in the NFL. They don't make other Indomitian Sues. There's only one. Um, you bring in, you're, you're starting Jakeem Grant, who's under six feet, which who, who 102-yard touchdown, that was a huge play. But just, just why, and, and he kept saying all summer, I like my guys, I like my guys, I like my guys, I like my locker room. This is finally my team. This, These are finally my players. These are finally my coaches. Okay, well, so far he's one for one. So I give him credit because he always acts like he knows something that we don't know or he sees something that we don't see. And it might be because we're not there or because we're limited in what we're allowed to see in practice, or because we're not in that locker room. Mm -hmm. But whatever it is that's in that locker room played a factor in today's win. And so, let's be honest, luck also played a little factor in the sense that Mariota got hurt and all the injuries for Tennessee, but there was a character element to that win. And given that Adam Gase has spent eight months telling us I have a high character team. I like my team better. We got rid of some, you know, bad guys in the locker room. I prefer Kenyon Drake to Jay Ajayi because, you know, he's a better character guy. You know, getting rid of the hotheads, all the, this whole culture change that he wants to do. This is what he's betting on. This Sunday, the bet worked, and so you have to give Adam Gase credit because whatever it is that he saw that we didn't, that, that the national media said they were going to be the worst team in the NFL. Well, and we didn't and, buy that. I don't think but, any of us but there was, the but worst team in the NFL. Or I, I did. I, I had the sense that there's a little bit of hubris going on here. Like he thinks he knows better than us and you know, the collective us, and we've all been watching football all our lives. What are you seeing that we're not? What, and maybe he sees something that we don't. I, I, I will say this though. Look, I, I don't, what do I, I don't, what do I, I, by I the way, learn? I don't believe that, but no, no, no. What do I learn from this game? I don't learn necessarily anything that I didn't know already in the sense that the Dolphins' margin for error is slim. Uh, the Dolphins have to have to make plays in certain situations and avoid penalties and have keep Tannehill upright and run the ball and all these things that you have to do to win a football game. I will say the one area that to me was most encouraging and the one thing I could take away from this game, and if there's anything to say to me like, okay, maybe – maybe, just maybe, the Dolphins are going to be a little bit better than expected, is the plays, the big plays. The one thing that I said preseason that I just don't think the Dolphins have enough of is playmakers. Well, guess what? On Sunday you saw Jakeem Grant take one to the house 102 yards. You saw Rashad Jones have two interceptions. You saw Kenny Stills have a 75-yard bomb. Everything else around that was generic, vanilla, what you would expect, mediocre Dolphins play. But, but... If you are that generic, vanilla, mediocre team, but you limit your mistakes and you have those two or three big plays in the NFL, that's the difference between a win and a loss. And there's no doubt on Sunday, those two huge plays in the fourth quarter were the difference between a win or a loss. If Jakeem Grant gets that ball and gets down to the 24-yard line and Ryan Tannehill gets on offense and they go three and out, you think the Titans maybe are going to get on the field and, and possibly win that game, score, take the lead the way they were playing? They had just come down the field, tied it at 10. There was momentum going. Then all of a sudden, the big pass to Kenny Stills. Again, those plays changed the game. So here's the bad thing, Clay. 
if you're going to count on 75 and 100 yard plays to change your games and that's the way you win games, then you're probably not going to win many games because that's a bad formula for an entire season. But for one game and in this opener, sure as heck worked. This it is what, and that's why I say I take nothing from this game other than the fact that they actually did respond to a little adversity. It, because every there is not going to be another game. The rest of these players' oh, no lives way. that has the personality well, of first this of all, game. the next two games aren't going to add up to what this game. Took. No, so no, that that in itself. Please, is, please don't say that because every time you say that about the Miami Dolphins. Something crazy. Come happened. on, how long have you been covering this team? If did did we? I mean, do we have to go through the litany of no, no, strange? We're good. We're good. We're good. Uh, if I had to list the number of strange things that have happened around and to the Miami Dolphins in the last twenty years, it would take how long. La- how about the last twenty months? The la- right. Uh, oh yeah, the last. It would take longer than the game. No, that was it. Was it's look. And the bottom line is, I think we could end it with this. The bottom line is, the Dolphins are one and zero. You feel good. They're one and zero. You you don't make too much of it. You don't. You don't worry too much about the mistakes because in a long season, good and bad will come, and we know it will come with this team. It could come as soon as next week. They could look terrible against the Jets. But they're in a position now where their next two games are against the Jets and the Raiders, and I don't want to say 3-0 start because I know you guys are going to laugh at me and it's crazy, and they very well could be 1-2 and two in a couple of weeks. Miami but There you go, Clay. But they, If you um, keep singing, I'm going to declare a lightning delay. Because when you're talking just, Dolphins, oh, wait. you're talking Super Bowl. Oh, I'm sorry, I'm looking at, I'm looking at the radar on my phone. Stop and in Podville, there's a... Uh, oh, bring on the Jets. Miami Dolphins number one. All right, that was